Well, I want to thank you all for joining us. There are people joining us, uh, not just in Oklahoma City, in our chapel and sanctuary, in our OKC venue, but the uh, the venue out in Edmond. It was great being out there last Sunday. I always enjoy coming out there and spending some time uh, with that miracle that's taking place there. Thank you for tolerating the fact we're out of every, we're out of room, we're out of parking, uh, yet you keep inviting friends. So we'll figure out a way to take care of it until we get East Edmond built. But I appreciate that, uh, those of you in Edmond. And then our community center is joining us today in the video again you saw with Mark Youngblood, who's overseeing all of our outreach and mission efforts. He preaches every Sunday over at the, over at the clinic at the community center. And they, it's a multicultural church, bilingual church. And, uh, and then Mark's preaching is why the room is getting full. So I appreciate what they're doing over there at the community center. And then the folks at Bethany Children's Health Center, we're glad we encourage you today. And then inmates in all 22 state prisons. Uh, I tell you what, church, let's just welcome everybody, all right? Let's let them know how thankful we are. <clears throat> I was drawn to a passage in Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. And for me, it's a, it's a chapter of extravagant gratitude. And that's what we are experiencing as a church. That's been my only experience here starting in 1980, uh, when it was, it was in the dark ages. We had indoor plumbing then, but it was a long time ago. Uh, 1981, and uh, our little church praying that maybe someday we could reach 200 people. And, uh, and, and every now and then I, I look up and I go, I hope you're having fun with this. <clears throat> we just prayed for 200 and, uh, and God had another plan, which we're very thankful. We're very thankful to be able to do what we get to do. But I was drawn to this title and to the message today by a passage of scripture that I read a long time ago in 1 Chronicles, actually in 20, uh, chapter 29. And I love what David says in this moment. Then we're going to go back and kind of walk through the steps of what led to this moment. It's in 1 Chronicles 29, and I'm going to start at verse 13. And this is what David said. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are these people? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. We are here only for a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like passing shadow, soon gone without a trace. He's honoring God with something God had done that was very significant and very special. David is in, nearing the end of his life. Our story that I've read in the First Chronicles in the 28 and 29 tells of this uh, great moment. In order to get the big picture, we have to go back 3,000 years, back across the centuries to another time and place, back before the time of Christ, back before the great prophets, back to the days when a man named David ruled from his throne in Jerusalem. And David is now an old man and about to die. But God has given him a great vision. It was a dream for a great part of his life to rebuild the magnificent temple or build a magnificent temple for the worship of Almighty God in Jerusalem. In his words, it will be the grandest building ever constructed. His fondest dream 
fondest dream is to honor his God by building the very needed temple, a place that will please God. In 1 Chronicles 28, at verse two and three, we'll read this. David summoned all the officials of Israel to Jerusalem, the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the army divisions, the other generals and captains, the overseers of royal property and livestock, the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the other brave warriors in the kingdom. And David rose to his feet and he said, my brothers and my people, it was my desire to build a temple where the ark of the Lord's covenant, God's footstool, could rest permanently. And I made the necessary preparations for building it, but God said to me, you must not build the temple to honor my name, for you're a warrior and have shed much blood. Now, in other words, this is a moment where, to some degree, David's past is catching up a little bit, but David was called to do what he did. As we know, he had miserable failure. He has a very popular, very public miserable failure that gets talked about quite a, quite a bit. When he sees Bathsheba, who he's not married to, and uh, ends up, uh, she's pregnant with his child, and then he figures out a way to uh, have her husband die at war. And that, that's just the tip of the iceberg in many ways with David. It was a stormy past. David, and now we're seeing this, the great gratitude that David has for all that God has done for him. But he says, it's time for me to have someone build this sanctuary who is at peace. Who's at peace. Who's a person of peace. And that happened to be David's son, Solomon. So in verses nine and 10, David charges Solomon to seek the Lord with his whole heart. He says this, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion, with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a temple, a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong, he says to his son. Be strong and get to work. Then in Chronicles 29.1, we come to the heavy issue on David's heart that he was beginning to aim at a bit in talking about Solomon. So in chapter 29 at verse one, the king, then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel is still, he says two things, two things we need to remember. He wanted them to know this up front. He was being very honest, very transparent, even talking about his own son. But he says this, I acknowledge, and I want you to know I acknowledge, that my son is very young and he's inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple that he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for the Lord God himself. And using every resource at my command, I've gathered as much as I could for building this temple of my God. Now, there's enough gold, silver, bronze, iron and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, if you've ever been over to the Holy Lands, and you can get a glimpse of some of those temples where people gathered for worship, there was nothing, nothing about them that was in any way held back giving their finest. 
those rooms, those places were elaborate, well-built. You can still stand near the western wall in Jerusalem and see the foundation of this very temple. It's still there. It was destroyed years ago, and obviously many, many uh, centuries ago, in wars and whatnot. But you can still see the foundation. It's still there. That's what makes this story come alive even more. As you know, I've had two opportunities to, to be able to stand and be reading the Bible and looking at what the Bible's talking about. That'll, that'll do a number on your faith. You won't doubt again. You may not still understand everything in the scriptures. I'm not sure any of us can. Some are able to go to the deeper truths and some are not. But you can see what happened there when David says, I'm gonna give it my very best. I'm gonna give all I've got. But he says, let's just a couple of observations, four or five things I want to point out to the first is he's just acknowledging Solomon is young. He's young. He was willing to be honest about that. I know you're probably saying he would say, you must be thinking of why Solomon. He, well, I know he's young. And then the second thing we hear him say is, and this task is extremely demanding. This will take all the energy, all the money, all the materials. It will take all we've got. But I believe God is calling Solomon to do this. And he says, without God's help, this project is impossible. Solomon's young. The project is too much for him. So David does some, the third thing he does in this story is he steps up and demonstrates what it looks like for a leader to lead the way. And that's what he does. He leads the way in his giving. They say, but how will such a grand building be paid for? Where will the money come from? It's fascinating to read the next few verses in the chapter, because David then offers his own resources for building the temple, gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, precious stones, marble, and having now set the example, he challenges his leaders to follow his lead. And verse six tells us what happened. It says, then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and all the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave willingly. The thought occurred to me that I have not really said much personally about this Voice of Hope initiative, but I think I want you to know, and I've said this uh, to the staff earlier this week, that Kim and I both had some thoughts in our minds of what we might give to this initiative, what we give to this effort. And my first number when I told her, I said, I don't think that's the right one though. Because frankly, that three-year commitment, I could, that won't cost any pain. In fact, I'd probably have it now if I could scrounge it all together. So she thought about it again, and we finally got together, and, and uh, we doubled, more than doubled, what we had in mind. And now, we're, well, I, I know it's going to happen. I know it'll get done. But it's, it's not so easy as it was going to be when I was just doing what I knew I could do. So I tried to be a good leader here and lead the way and be a part of this. And then what I learned this week is that 100% of the church staff has made a commitment. And that means a lot to me. They, they did what we 
had prayed they would do. Uh, we had never talked to our kids about this, but I realized that they were making some commitments. And, and I said, one of the, I think one of the boys, I said, oh, no, 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 no don't, you, I, you, I know you don't, let, let me help you with that. You know? And they, well, what are you trying to do, take away our joy here? You know, we, if we can't pull, we'll pull this off. It's going to happen somehow. We got three years. Uh, okay. But that was the dad in me, the father in me, stepping, you'd think the pastor in me wouldn't try to get in the way of what God wants to do in the life of my own children. But he's able. Our staff gathered this past Tuesday in the chapel foyer. We've done that before. And it's a very magical moment for us. There's a hundred of us. And we had the chairs facing uh, the center table there in, the, uh, in our chapel foyer. Uh, it's down here on, on Oklahoma City. Many of you probably not even seen it that are listening or watching today. But it's a special place. And we spent a couple hours in worship. We had some very meaningful prayer times. The, there were altars surrounding that round table there in that foyer. And people could come from uh, each side. Uh, even when chairs were going down the hallway there, heading toward the atrium. But we had great worship. And... Our pastors who were leading this, uh, me and Mark Youngblood and Blake, and uh, it, it was just a wonderful gathering of, of our leaders too. And we would pray for specific things that people might be troubled by. There's some health issues, but it went even deeper. And I was amazed that when maybe we would call out something we're praying about, those who in that moment stood up and walked to one of those altars. We didn't invite them. We, it was just there, but they took it on themselves to find their way to those kneelers. And then I watched other staff members gather around them and pray for them. And I thought, this is what a church does. This is what it's supposed to do. And I believe God really prepared us last Tuesday for uh, all the work we've got uh, to do now between, uh, pretty much between today and Christmas Eve. Uh, that it's gonna be uh, a wonderful, wonderful, uh, exhausting moment, but it's gonna be fun. And you're gonna love what happens here in December in, in all of our rooms. But David led the way. And then the uh, next observation, obviously, is the people responded. It says, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. So it says they gave freely. That means there was no pressure. There was no pressure. And, and that's, this is how Crossings does things. Not, not a lot of pressure. We had a chance. We could call in a, 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 a professional fundraising firm who they do great work. And we thought about it and we felt, no, we just lay it out to the people and God will do the rest. I, I didn't want the kinds of things sometimes, these, these, they're, they're great firms, they have to do their jobs. Many people use them and need them. But for us, we've always done this. We wanna give freely and wholeheartedly. And I appreciate that so, so many of you have done that. 1,138 families thus far have stepped into this Voice of Hope initiative. And our current total is $28,445,000. That's amazing. We've never been there before by a long shot. 
And so we don't know where this is headed between now and year end. We hope that figure will keep getting larger, but we're trying to be diligent and do our homework and be prepared for whatever comes and we'll do whatever. You all hold that decision in your, in your hands and we will do whatever part of those projects or if not all that we can do uh, this go around and we'll save whatever we have to save for the next one. But David was very clear about this. His teaching is clear about his son is young. The task is demanding. David was clear about being a leader and lead the way for his people to follow. The people then responded and they rejoiced. Then the fifth observation is just incredible gratitude coming back to the passage I read just a moment ago in 1 Chronicles 29. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And I've, I've said this many, many times. Who am I and who are these people that we could do anything to honor you? Who am I and who are these people who give so generously? Because we acknowledge everything has come from you. Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. We're here for only a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land. As our ancestors were before it. That's a beautiful prayer. And I felt whatever emotion, emotion David must have had when he said that. I feel that a lot. Who am I? I was the last guy that's be having this experience. My resume was zilch. I had a business degree. And I had a degree in religious studies because I was always going to serve in the church or love the Lord. I, was just, I just wasn't going to be on any stage. <laughs> and now look at us. Gratitude. There's no way. That's why my title today is Extravagant Gratitude. We're the recipients of it. And now you, many of you have become the givers of it as a response to gratitude for what God has done for us. And in, in these verses, just say it clearly, the people gave generously, but they gave wholeheartedly and freely, not under any coercion, but simply led by God to do what they could do. I think sometimes, and I think I've been there, I'm gonna tell you something that uh, may pinch a little bit, may sting, but I, probably all of us have been there and I'll just right up front tell you, I've certainly found myself there and uh, came to my senses and got away from that pretty quick. Sometimes we treat our walk with Jesus as concierge Christianity. Concierge Christianity. My brother's a physician, uh, and many of you are come up to you come up to me and volunteer. Your brother is my doctor. I didn't know that. Or they come and say, you you, you assume yeah, you knew that your your brother's my doctor. No, he can't say that. He can't talk about that. You know, you thanks for telling me. And the good news now at my age, I'll forget it by noon anyway, so it doesn't matter. But people come up, and so here's, and, and my brother and I, we like sitting by the fireplace at his house outside and, and just having a good time with family and whoever's around. But we're not talking about our jobs, really, or our callings. But see, 
what, what I've learned about people and about myself at times, we find ourselves needing to go to the doctor because we're not taking care of our bodies, because we're not taking care of ourselves. And what we, the doctor will say, well, here's, how, here's the steps you can take to feel better. You may need to exercise. You may need to lose a little weight. You, you may need to eat differently. And it's almost like we say, oh, can't you just give me a prescription and make me feel better? I don't wanna exercise. I, I don't wanna eat differently. I, I wanna do all these things. I just don't wanna feel bad about it physically. So can you just fix that? That's concierge Christianity, pick and choose. I got, I've had some interesting cards. We always get notes and uh, some are signed, some aren't, and that's, that's okay. Um, and it's just a, a handful. But I had one in particular, and it was, I, I ached for this person, whoever wrote it. They said, I really wish you would quit preaching about money and just preach the Bible. And I thought, well, you do know that Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. I, I mean, I, I would love to have had that conversation with whoever it was. Maybe, maybe they're in one of these rooms. And, and I know that people ache. Many people are coming in here. They're not ready for giving money. They're not ready for that yet. They've been burned in a church that seemed to dwell on it. We stay out of debt so we don't have to pound, pound it into people or beg. That's why we give willingly. But it's, we must be so careful. We want just a little bit of God, just enough to get in a paper sack to get me through the day, but I'm not going to give all I am and all I have. I'll just dole it out in little doses when there seems to be a need that I feel good about supporting. We must be careful with that. Concierge, Christianity, it's dangerous. It's not what God has in mind. So David says, then we kind of, I think we could summarize what he was saying here, acknowledging that it's all a gift. Everything we have, everything we've become, everything we are, it's a gift. And the day will come in our lives when all of that will stay behind. I, I just don't imagine when, if, this, if I'm still alive on earth, when Jesus returns and the sky starts opening up and I don't think I'm, oh, I'm gonna get my horns. I gotta get my trumpet. I gotta have my trumpet. I gotta get the valuable stuff. Where's my horn? You know how much I paid for those trumpets and for that? And you start going, oh, my watches. I need, I need a, my watch. What are you gonna do with it? You're gonna have to drop it. You're gonna leave it behind. And then your kids are gonna put it in an estate sale in their garages. Kim was looking at a particular uh, table that we were going to change out that we'd had forever and ever, and uh, an end table in the family room. And there were some really nice ones out there. And I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, well, our kids are just, you know what they're going to do? They're, they're just going to give it to Habitat for Humanity or have a garage sale. So let's get a cheap one. And she ignored my advice, but um, <laughs> she can do what she wants to do, you know. Hey. I love that woman. She can do whatever she wants to do. But our days on this earth are numbered. Let's make them count. Let's be willing people to love others, 
to forgive generously, to give faithfully. You see, here's what I know. I started making a list. I found a list and I started adding to it. Just getting some things in perspective because it all does go back to dust. Here's part of my list. Let's remember, your life is a gift. Your health is a gift. Your career is a gift. Your intelligence is a gift. Your strength is a gift. Your personality is a gift. And the list goes on. Your children are a gift. Your friendships are a gift. Your possessions are a gift. Your accomplishments are a gift. Your wealth is a gift. It all came from God's hand by giving us the ability to do great things that might cause people to be able to earn more than others. But it's all his, no matter how it came, regardless of what we thought we had in mind. God's got something special, something significant for us. And I believe we're enjoying much of that. But if heaven is exponentially greater than what uh, we've experienced, then it must be something. And hopefully, you'll join me in getting there someday. Just in following Jesus, letting him do everything that he wants to do for you. There's a song that we're going to sing in all of our rooms right now. It's a great song. It's called Gratitude. And we're all going to sing it, all of the rooms. We're all doing it together at the same time. Let me just give you some of the words. All my words fall short. I got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and yet you never do. And it gets to the core. We've sung it a lot around here. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, because all that I have is a hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah. I've got one response. I've got just one move. And that is with my arms outstretched, I will worship you. So we're going to worship for a moment. After worship, our service will be closed in prayer and our prayer teams will make their way to the front of all of our rooms to pray for whatever needs you have this morning that you would appreciate someone praying about. Let's worship together.